the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. The Bible Live, here as we make our way through the scriptures every year, kind of discussing all these readings. Uh, our readings this past week come from the book of Ezekiel, chapters 41 through 48, uh, frankly, we're, we're just ending our study of that book. And as I've mentioned so many times, Jacob is not with us here tonight, but he's going to be calling in later in the program. We've got a special opportunity for us tonight, and I'm really excited about it myself. Uh, but as far as our readings, we read through Psalm 123 through 127. That's our reading schedule for this week. Uh, and then Ezekiel, the last uh, seven chapters, 41 through 48, <clears throat> and um I guess it's uh last eight chapters, I guess. It's the, it's those last chapters of Ezekiel th- that I find so puzzling. And, and Jacob could really give us some information here and some insight. But uh, there is, it's it's not totally clear what the last books of Ezekiel were, the uh, last chapters there. He describes this, um, he has this vision, as you know, Ezekiel is there in Babylon Looking back during the time of the the uh, um, exile, the children of Israel have been taken over into Babylon, 700 miles to the east. And uh, Daniel is there, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. The, the time of Esther is there, for example, uh, is a contemporary of Daniel. Uh, very interesting things take place. The, the Daniel, uh, Mordecai, Esther. Uh, these three young men, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they uh, we know them more as by their their um, their uh, Neb- uh, the Babylonian name Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, but uh, they they have this astounding influence over in Babylon. They, it's an amazing thing. Uh, da- da- Daniel, in particular, rises to uh, heights of power and influence. Over five emperors during his time, there are many, many decades that he serves and is faithful to to uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the time that he's there. Very, very 
amazing experience. Well, in, 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 anyway, in the last years of Ezekiel's life is when he has this, these visions about the redistribution of the land in, in, uh, in Israel and the temple, the, the new temple, the, the, the glory that had departed from the temple that he witnessed about earlier on in the opening chapters, now see the glory of the Lord return. Uh, the, you know, Shekinah, uh, the Shekinah, 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 they call it, or the, the glory of the Lord that we saw leave the temple early on. Now in chapter 43 comes back to the temple in the vision of, of Ezekiel. And, um, you know, this temple has a river, a river of life flowing from it and so on. It, it's a fascinating vision, but no one exa- is exactly clear but what it means. Is it... Uh, is it the third temple? Is it the temple that's going to be built during the trib- you know, during the uh, thousand-year reign of Christ on, on the earth that you know, some people talk about? It? Is it just an idealized uh, picture of oneness and harmony and, and, and you know, God's, the completion of God's plan for humanity? We, it's, uh, it's a complicated area in those last chapters, and it's not really the, the verdict is not in about what it actually truly is. Uh, means to us. Maybe you have a thought about it. We'd love to hear you call tonight. You can always join us here on the Bible Live program. 340-9585 is our phone number. 340-9585. And then we got into the book of Daniel. And the early chapters of the book of Daniel are actually a story. The first six chapters have to do with the story of Daniel, who who he was and how he happened to be taken out of, uh, he was in the royal family and the royal lineage and he got taken out of uh, Israel when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and so on in 586 B.C. Actually, Daniel had been taken earlier, but they were taken over into Persia, into Babylon. And it's about how God uses him and God is with him and God highlights him and gives him favor and gives him influence there in Babylon. And uh, so those first six chapters are the story of his being there. And then we get into the the menu. We, I, I'm sorry, the menu. I'm looking at one of my questions. And then we get into the um, the dreams. And we get into the, the, the ministry that Daniel exercised uh, in all those years, the way he was able to be of such an influence over these different uh, emperors of uh, Babylon of that era. Well, I'll tell you all of that. That's where we are in terms of our reading and in terms of our uh, getting to know uh, the books of the Bible. But we are going to take a, a little bit of a a little bit of a curve tonight because I I have come in touch with a young lady that I want you to meet, and I I think it's relevant because she is actually preparing to go back to the mission field. She's already been uh, there uh, in that part of the world that we've been talking about. Uh, she's been in that uh, in Lebanon, uh, she's Athens and Greece, and so on. Now she's they're wanting her to go back to Lebanon because of uh, the effectiveness of her ministry there, in in that part of the world. Where, as you know, folks, uh, all of us know, we read about it every day in our news. Is that uh, th- th- there's so much conflict, there's so much, and there has been for decades and well, actually centuries. But uh, we've it's been active and live in, over the last ten, twenty, thirty, forty years. And uh, her name is Esther, Esther Hoodless, and uh, she's the daughter of one of our great, great friends, our brothers in Christ, and uh, uh, he's th- she's the daughter of uh, the owner of the Rose Cleaners, uh, one of our great sponsors here and supporters of the broadcast uh, about the scriptures, uh, Paul and his wife Myrna, Paul Hoodless and his wife, the amazing couple, but this is their their baby daughter, right, <laughs> their, their youngest daughter, 
she has been um, she's mid uh, not mid career but mid uh, in middle of her studies uh, in university studies but she's taken time to go over and to be a part of ministry a ministry of, of forgiveness and reconciliation uh, related to the YWAM youth with a mission programs and ministries around the world uh, she's been a part of that and now she's kind of really gotten into this area of helping uh, tear down the walls of, of hatred and of, of, of revenge and uh, and so on there in that part of the world. It's a it's astounding, really, because we all know that's what it's going to take is a heart of forgiveness and reconciliation and, and mutual mutual respect and so on. And, and uh, Esther has been there now this past year, and they've asked her to come back, and, and she was being very effective in the work there being uh, very effective, having a great influence. And so uh, another time uh, we're going to get to see uh, young men and women and people from San Antonio go uh, in missions. I, I was telling Esther before, as we were visiting earlier, Esther, about, you know, it's a little kind of a an, an unknown blessing or an unknown uh, kind of a, a beautiful thing about San Antonio is that, there's so much missions. Yeah. There's so many voices that go out from this city and so yeah, here in South Texas, so. all over the world, down into Latin America, Central America, Asia, wherever I've gone over many years of ministry in different countries. I, I, I'll find men and women from San Antonio and South Texas. And <laughs> uh, Texas in general is a ba- great mission-sending state of the of the nation. Uh, it's contagious. But, but San Antonio <laughs> is a part of that as well. Let me pump you up here and, and uh, introduce you. Uh, Thank you, Esther, for, for joining me tonight, and, and and I'm thrilled, and I want you to tell us about what you're doing, what you've done over there, uh, and, and your calling to go back. You're set already to go back within a week or so. Absolutely, next Sunday. <laughs> next yeah, Sunday? October 15th. And so uh, she's just gathering. She Her needs are very uh, modest uh, She for the for the going over back, and she can, evidently you can live there quite Inexpensively, Absolutely. and the, the ministry has some uh, place for uh, food and lodging, and that. Yeah, for but free. You, you just God. go pour out your heart in ministry and give yourself away to people there. Yeah, uh, that's exciting. And so here's the deal, folks. Uh, uh, she needs. She only needs four thousand dollars to go and to be there, uh, representing uh, the Savior, re- representing the Lord, introducing others to Christ, but also dealing and ministering reconciliation and and forgiveness in that in that troubled area of the world among uh, among muslims among uh, all the different mm-hmm. ethnic and, and political groups that, yeah. that are there yeah. and so we want to see if we can help her get the, the funding raised and get solid and ready to go uh, now she's uh, at this point i think of the 4000 she's about 1800 she has $1,800 committed. Yes, sir, working on faith right now. And you betcha. <laughs> no that's, that's the way it happens, Esther. <laughs> and I think our listeners, I'm hoping and praying that our listeners will respond, and maybe there'll be uh, enough of us to give 25 50 whatever we can do each of us. My wife, Suzanne, and I, are we're committing $300, so well, it brings us up to 2100 And so we want to so encourage much. you folks, if you would uh, <laughs> pray about and think about the excitement of uh, of undergirding Esther and backing her up as she goes over in the name of the Lord uh, to to minister peace in that part of the world. 
And if you could be a part of helping to get her there, and I know we'll be able to get a newsletter back from you, right? Yes, sir. No question. Yeah, I love writing and I love talking about right. what all is going up there. So we'd love to hear it. Yeah. I, I mean, from that part as of the world, it can. would be so very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. This in first hour tonight, we're going to really focus a little bit on on Lebanon, on what's going on in that part of the world. I mean, this is the part of the world we're reading about, actually, Daniel and, and uh, you know, the, into Babylon and so on. Mm-hmm. It's not that far to the east, but it's uh, generally speaking in the neighborhood, right? <laughs> so we're gonna, I want to talk to uh, Esther a little bit about it. Let her tell us uh, about herself here and how, she, how the Lord called her, how the Lord's worked in her life, and then what she's been doing over there and uh, how the Lord seems to be using her and, and what he seems to be doing. Maybe you can fill in some of the blanks for our, for us and our listeners tonight, Esther, about what is life like there? What are the people thinking? What are they like? Uh, sometimes it just feels like they're all crazy. You know, it's, yeah. it's like war <laughs> continually, continually. Yeah. And, and yet it breaks our hearts as well. See, and, that, and that's what we're working with. Uh, it seems to be, for us, at least we look at the big scheme of things, it seems to be a pattern that civil wars kind of just follow through all of that, you know. And it seems to be a uh, thing that we kind of just sit back and look at it as if it's expected or something mm-hmm. and, and as if uh, they have their own thing and we have ours over here and someone will take care of it at one point when it's at that point. But uh, Surely by the time they kill, all kill each other, it'll, it'll be <laughs> the taken problem will be of, solved. But, but it doesn't <laughs> no. happen that way because I every mean, generation not, comes no along. Question has yeah. more resentments and more revenge, and then it just feeds on itself. And that's who we're working for, really, is the next generation. So we're working with, uh, or I'm working with, the Foundation of Forgiveness and Reconciliation with a husband and wife and their staff named Rami and Rula. Uh, and they have they had this dream uh, back about, goodness, let's say, ballpark 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. And uh, God showed Rami this dream when he, in fact, was in YWAM in, out in Ireland. Uh, and he was praying about it and praying about it for so many years. And just recently, uh, he it came to it came to play. I mean, it actually started happening. He built it. He, he was building his community and Foundation of Forgiveness and Reconciliation, FFR, as I like to call it, uh, was born. And it was so crazy because simultaneously around the same time, uh, in that time, Syrian refugees were coming up to Lebanon from the Syrian war. And, uh, I mean, it was so cool how this, he opened up this ministry and it was like all these refugees kind of flooded in the door, you know? So he came up with this curriculum that is from the forgiveness, uh, institution, I want to say, uh, that is programmed for whoever wants to hear it, right? It's a curriculum that is changing people's lives one place at a time. I have a very strong belief, and mm-hmm. we all should, you yeah. know, that mm-hmm. God's dream is a universal one. He want, He craves for every single person on this earth to be coming to his name, for every tongue to confess, you know, mm-hmm. for every knee mm-hmm. to bow. And that takes hard work, you know, that takes yeah. labor. And so we are doing it. Uh, gracefully as Jesus would uh, and gently and coming in and being those feet class by class or person by person or so on and so forth, community by community to hopefully spread through Lebanon so that further cultures can hear of this forgiveness and reconciliation of Jesus and just of themselves, of us as human beings finding Mm -hmm. that connection and coming to terms with it, coming to terms with instead of having all these divided cultures from the Lebanese civil civil war that happened in about 1975 to 1990 and left the 
country quite literally in ruins, not only yeah. in their literal physical We've seen state. We've the pictures. The building yeah. is torn down and bombed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy to even see in person mm -hmm. the literal physical state of the of the country. I mean, of course, at this That's time where you've been living has here, somewhat just in been the, uh, the outskirts of, of Beirut, uh -huh. right around there. Sidon, which yeah. is a biblical town, yeah. and really, really awesome to even walk around there. Um, but with a physical state being like that and also with their emotional state, you know, culture to culture, connection to connection, person to person is just it, it's broken. You know, there there's this tension when you're coming, say, a Lebanese person is coming in contact with a Palestinian person. Right. I mean, there's just this this violent yeah disagreeance almost they haven't even said any words to each other and it's just this assumption that they're a bad person because of what the country has gone it's through because there, of yeah. yeah what their country has gone through it's just this spiritual atmosphere that needs to be broken through with the name of jesus you know so that's what our foundation is coming in and doing uh is we are meeting people where they're at and sitting them down and saying hey we are all human Let's see what we can do to come to a compromise with this so that mm -hmm. you are not living in this prison that ended a long time ago. Of um, hatred and the re yeah. the resentment of fears. Absolutely. And That's astounding. Folks, this is, this is, uh, this is our, this is our sister. This is a San Antonio <laughs> gal. This, she's uh, walked with the Lord many years. She's uh, devout. She's proven her faith over and over it's not like we're talking about an unproven quantity. This young lady has walked with the Lord faithfully, obediently. Um, she's, I guess, a year and a half, couple of years now at, at Texas A&M. She's a, a philosophy <laughs> student. Uh, but here, taking this time now to put it into action and go in the name of the Lord Jesus to go and, and, and minister and encourage. Uh, this is a chance to, to build into a young Leader, uh, twenty-one-year-old leader of men and women uh, in the name of the Lord. And so let's 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 help her. Let's let's get under underneath this and encourage her uh, in this incredible work. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, we've got a little over halfway through. I would like for you to call three four zero ninety five eighty five if you can this evening. If you can pledge and say, "Look, Sophie, I'll, uh, my wife and our family, we'll we'll give twenty-five bucks. We'll, we'll put in there. We want to help. We want to be a part of it. We'll give fifty. Uh, we can give $100, whatever it is that you can give. Let's see if we can get to a goal of getting Esther underwritten. and ready. It's, it's not that much. It, it's, 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 it's not about anyone getting rich. We're just helping them to take one of God's servants, put them in place, and see what God will do in and through and with her life as we work together with her, partnering with her in this great, great ministry and this great vision that they have. So if you'd like to do that, give us a call, 340-9585. 340-9585 or you can text uh, me uh, or, or email me soapy at thebiblelive.com soapy at thebiblelive.com you can give me a, an email and give us that, that commitment that you have and let's see if we can get enough uh, gifts and, and, and uh, promised gifts and faith gifts that we can pull together let's see if we can help her get underwritten and get ready to move out for sure uh, her flight is set. She's have her ticket by faith, and uh, we just need to help get underwritten some of the expenses that, the few expenses actually, relatively speaking, that she has uh, at four thousand dollars. We're a little over halfway there. If you can give us a call during the hour, and let us know your pledge that you'll you'll help out. I'll be giving you the uh, if you want to send your gift to Texas Arms of Love, Texas Arms of Love. You can make your checks payable to that or your money order, Texas. Arms of Love, 
Uh, it's a 501c3. You'll get back a receipt from the ministry. And, uh, and of course, Esther will be in touch with us to tell us about her trip, how to write us to from from Lebanon, from Beirut, she can write us <laughs> letters, and posts, in my emails, and so on, or or things that you can do electronically. Now Absolutely. we could do that on the mission field twenty years ago. We mm. had to, or thirty years ago, we had we had to write letters and take two weeks to get back to. It. <laughs> but uh, she can stay in touch with us, and we'll we'll find out what God does with our spiritual investment in her life and through her life to the people of that that region. So if you'd like to help out, give us a call tonight. Let us know about it. And I'll give you the phone, the uh, email, I'm sorry, the post office address. You can send your gift to Texas Arms of Love, P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, 48s behind it. And then San Antonio, Texas, San San Antonio, Texas. And, of course, what would be the zip code? 78218, okay? A lot of of 18s in there. Uh, P.O. Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. So if you can help, if you can send a gift, uh, just make your check payable to Texas Arms of Love. And if you want to put down in the in the four, you can just put Lebanon or you can put um, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> so just to let us know where in all 100% of the gifts that are given will go to help and send uh, this young lady from our city of San Antonio, uh, from part of the the christian community of our city to go over there and speak in the name of the lord the god of abraham isaac and jacob and help bring peace help bring reconciliation and forgiveness it's a reality it can happen Hmm. and uh she believes it and that's why god has called her and and trusting it now esther let's talk a few minutes about you tell the folks yeah you you san antonio girl yeah i born and raised san antonio no question uh and yeah, I mean, I grew up and I went to Clark High School, if anybody's listening mm-hmm. who went to Clark High School, uh, Colum Cougs, and I was a part of Young Life, and that is a huge part as to why uh, this ministry is even has even appealed to a person of who I am. If you know Young Life, it is a high school ministry that is basically college students hanging out with high school students to talk to them and grow relationships about Jesus for college students to really just step into, uh, be the hands and feet and Jesus in the flesh to these high school students who are lost and trying to find themselves in this pivotal time in their life, right? And it takes a little bit of a goofy (laughs) college (laughs) student to be hanging out with all these random high school students. Uh, And how cool of a ministry is that, right? (laughs) With a heart of love. uh Absolutely. Compassion to look Mm -hmm. back on these poor high schoolers and help them get their Yeah, and it takes takes persistence, you know? It It takes chasing sometimes quite literally and figuratively mm-hmm. uh these students to football games or so on and so forth to just be their friends you know to just love them where they're at whatever they're doing and so going from there into this program uh with foundation of forgiveness and reconciliation in lebanon we work primarily with uh youth and young adults like i said at the beginning of this a huge part of our vision is the next generation you know yeah. uh working with people who are their families syrian refugee families or drew's families or drew's kids or drew's youth or muslim youth or wh- whoever we can get whoever wants to listen whatever situation they're in uh just to kind of be a part in the same 
way be in relationship be in friendship grow that so that they can come in turn back to this long-term ministry that we are a part of and hear the curriculum of forgiveness and reconciliation Uh that we have to teach you know and so it was just a natural fit almost kind of like a puzzle piece working with youth working with young adults working with adults themselves just to see this freedom in christ and and the identity that i have in christ you know just carrying that around in the goofy or whatever way in relationship (laughs) that i can over there but i don't (laughs) I see you as as joyful and radiant. Let me ask you this. Why do you think you were so effective? What what did God affect in your life? What has God done that allowed you to be the flexibility and the love and the willingness? I'm sure it takes a Mm -hmm. great deal of willingness to listen, to care about people. why is it they're asking you to go mm-hmm. back? I mean, you, you know, I, I know you taught the takes, course and you were very effective and yeah. they want you to come back. It just takes a certain stature, I guess, when it comes to young life. Like I said, that you're taught uh, in a way to be speaking in front of all of these high school students to give them a lesson. And so with this curriculum and teaching um, and teaching people this Jesus based forgiveness and reconciliation in whether it's a classroom state or whether we're just hanging out uh, relationship to relationship, it's really relying on the Lord to be speaking through me, you Mm -hmm. know, and being trained in that through young life and that being continued and training through Through youth with a mission and the foundation. It's just kind of become a natural uh, flow, you know, Mm -hmm. like absolutely every time I'm even thinking about what I'm saying, I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? Forget my words. Mm -hmm. Don't let me speak at all. Like absolutely you black out me right now. Mm -hmm. Like speak through me. Right. And that prayer consistently. And so growing from that for so long has just become something of a second nature Mm -hmm. to when it comes to curriculum teaching or when it comes to things like that. And so Mm -hmm. it's just been it's just been awesome to, to see all this provision to be coming from that time when I don't even know why I was being, being taught those things back in high school or young life or anything like that, to seeing that come full throttle all the way right yeah. now. You I know? think it might have something to do. This is a guess. I, San Antonio is a very unusual city in that reconciliation sense. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I've seen it here all the years I've been here. We All the different things that we've done together mm-hmm. as a city. Uh, our, our Hispanic community, our black community, yeah. our, uh, all, all the different communities. Mixed of the cultures, city. you know. Yeah, mixed cultures and yeah. mixed traditions, even religious groups. And yet we found a way to respect and love one another yeah. and, and join. Uh, and it's really an amazing thing. It's a lot so of people tell me no that. Uh, we, I think the military presence has mm-hmm. been a part of the reason for that. But a lot of it, too, has to do with. with there's a there's a genuineness about faith, mm-hmm. about a, a genuine desire to seek God and know God and believe yeah. from our different traditions, and that allows us then to function with respect. Maybe we disagree on particulars and details, and yet there allows us to respect we can have for each other. Maybe that's part of your what you're talking about is because you've been a part of that mm-hmm. here in this city for a while, and uh, now you you've been over there in Lebanon for the last year. 
Uh, and you went over initially to Greece. You were there for about uh-huh. a month, and then I you was, came, went to Lebanon. Yeah. And you've been teaching yes, now this sir. curriculum. I want to hear about that. Uh, before though, you were you went from here from Clark High School to Texas A and M, a philosophy major. Yes, sir. An amazing story. Let's come back and talk about Lebanon. And what are the different groups that are over there? What have you learned about these different groups? Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Don't go Stan away. Shelton, with offices at Loop four ten and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family. That's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Thomas Rhett's third studio album, Life Changes, packs in a lot of musical styles, from sweet love songs to a Drake-like vibe to a Taylor Swiftish sing-songiness. He's a country artist who's not afraid to embrace his creativity and stretch the country music boundary. also embracing a wide variety of topics in this album of changes. Some, like his positive nods to marriage and family, we can readily embrace. Others, such as references to reckless behaviors, drinking and smoking just about anything, not so much. So I'm giving Life Changes a two and a half out of five for family friendliness. For the full review, visit us at PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Live an unusual night. We've uh, read the book of Daniel in this last week in our reading series. And uh, 
we, that normally we would be um, talking about Daniel, but uh, uh, and we've talked briefly about it. There, there's, there's something in common here as well that uh, Daniel went over into Babylon and, and exerted a tremendous influence for peace and for well-being. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We saw Esther, and just uh, it came to my attention this young lady from our city. Esther Hoodless is uh, part of the ministries of YWAM, a foundation for forgiveness and reconciliation ministry there in that troubled part of the world, right here from our own city. And, uh, you know, let's put a little legs to our talk about missions and about the world. And I want to give you the opportunity to get to know Esther, to hear a little bit about her calling of God on her life and her ministry. And maybe we could team up and partner with her and have an adventure with her of ministering and in the name of the Lord Jesus over in that part of the world. So I want to invite you to give us a call, 340-9585. We have um, about, uh, Suzanne and I, we're we're going to go ahead and commit $300 to help underwrite the $4,000 she needs. She's a little over halfway there in her uh, fundraising for for the project, for the mission project. And maybe you'd like to help. If you can call in and and help with a, a gift of $25, $50, uh, $100. Maybe among all of us we can make a difference and, and send her and, and get her letters back and about what's happening, what she's seeing in that part of the world. And uh, we, through Esther, can be uh, have an impact in that part of the world in the name of the Lord. And yeah. we can our lives can be enriched as we partner with her to to see what God will do in and through and with us as we uh, partner with her. So give us a call if you'd like. Uh, 340-9585 is the phone number. And uh, w- uh, John is going to be asking you, if are you calling to make a uh, a donation or a pledge to help in the, with this project over into that part of the world? And if you are, just let him know that amount, and we'll put it down. I'm giving you continually the P.O. Box. It's 18888. P.O. Box 18888. That's four eights, actually. Uh, here in San Antonio, Texas, the zip code is 78218. So hopefully that's easy enough for you to remember. If you can send a gift, Texas Arms of Love. And uh, if you want to put down in, in the uh, four category, just put down for Lebanon or for Esther. Uh, she is going from our city. She's a young lady met the Lord here in our great city, part of the Christian community of our city, uh, mature, committed, uh, mid, mid, uh, time, middle time in her college degree plan to, for philosophy at, at Texas A&M, but she's committing her life to go over there at this time. And so we'd like to see if you would be willing to uh, step out by faith and be a part of that mission project in her young life. And I I tell you one thing we're gonna we're gonna help change your life for sure giving you that she's there's a maturity and a depth here folks that only comes when people are out on the front lines uh, in ministry so I, I I encourage you to listen carefully get to know her uh, as we visit on the radio here and if you can help her underwrite this mission trip this project give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five I'm gonna go quickly uh. If you don't mind, Esther, we're going to go ahead and pick up our first caller. His name is Harold. Absolutely. Uh, he's on hey, the line. Harold. Good to talk to you, Harold. Hello, Esther. What's Hi. going on? Hi, how are you doing? Well, I had first said, you know, I had just called to make a statement and just talk to Esther, but so if you talk me into it, I'm going to donate $25 to the uh, oh. calls, and I'll get back Praise with John on that. Praise Good. God. Okay. Sure. So much. And, I, I, I won't hang know, up at the end. I'll keep you online with John. He can <laughs> all right, get the just, information. Just for a few minutes. No, but, you know, 
my son and I were at Barnes and Nobles today, and I've been reading on Exodus 34 verse 7, and it ties in for me really well with Esther. You know, because she's young, and I don't think you're goofy. You know, I, you know, I don't think you're goofy. I mean, I had a wife. Well, I have a wife that she's still here, but back in college in Carney Ward in Southwest in 1974 through 78, mm. and I was the goofy husband. Believe me, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Well, you know, I didn't care kind of goofy, or anything. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I am a little bit goofy, but you know, you know, you're a young lady, and and you have a lot of challenges. You know. Um, before you and, and things like that. And I know it's not a Jewish belief, but uh, Exodus 34, verse 7, where it says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations, for I um, inquire rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay all the sins of my parents, of the parents, upon the children and grandchildren for the entire family as affect even the children of the third and fourth generation. Now, I don't want to call that Old Testament. I want to say if that could be preached, it 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 has to Jesus Christ. I don't think, for me, that type of thing should be put on people. I mean, just as a young lady, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just uh-huh, saying, uh-huh. you know, we can't start saying our parents did this, and this is why you're like that. I don't know what your ministry is. But I've been reading this all day long, and I couldn't get off of it. And anyway, that's all I got to say. And um, Very interesting um, passage there. Uh, it's yeah, not... well, I think it's important to accept our own, my own faults and stuff. And I don't want to say I'm a certain way because of my parents or uh-huh. because. And and I do know uh, the, the Jewish people, you know, the Jewish state, mm-hmm. don't read it that way. It doesn't mean the same. I don't even think the letters are the same. And you're going to run into some Jewish folks over there. I just thought I'd let you know. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> She's already made mention of that to me, Harold, for sure. Well, listen, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going okay. to just put you on okay, hold. Okay, yes, I'm going to go back to John. I'm going to okay. go back to John. Let me put you on hold. I'll try not to hang up okay. on you. If I do, just call John back. But, okay, I'm going to I will. I will. try not to. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate hearing from Thank you. Thank you, Harold. It's nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Esther, keep talking there for a moment. I wanted to ask you about... Um, uh, what I wanted to ask you about the different groups over there when you when you're there in Lebanon in Beirut there and the what are the different factions what what are the tensions it seems like I know there there, there are many refugees mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so just a little background history on Lebanon uh, like I mentioned earlier uh, there was a Lebanese civil war 1975 to 1990, right? And it was a mainly a political and religious problem. About where, 15 years of, 15 yeah, years 15 of war. 15 yeah. years of war. I can't even imagine, and I hope I never have to. I mean, that is intense, and that left so many marks on the physical country and the country, them, uh, the people in the country themselves to where they were just kind of left in this division, you know, and it was... I, I mean, I, I think I remember it. Funny. I, I yeah. remember the pictures that whole cities, I mean, in blocks mm-hmm. just raised, you know, this flattened and buildings torn down. And, and yeah. I guess without the resources of the time or the safety to rebuild and yeah. repair, it just stays like that, Absolutely. right? In many cases. Yeah, and, I, and a lot of it, like a statue, if that has been marked from the Lebanese Civil War, they use it as uh, encouragement or to be sentimental from uh, what used to happen or encouragement to be better, you know, uh, to remember those times and to live in a better state. Mm. So uh, 
ba- so back to the history, right? Up to 1990, so. and then it, it, it seemed like there was a measure of reconciliation at the time. Something mm-hmm. happened that uh, they did come to a, a seeming... Yeah, so the, the government... Uh, basically listen to the people, right? They made a agreement that in uh, politics they will represent their country as uh, as is accurate. And the president and the prime minister and the speaker of the house are who are Christian, Sunni, Muslim, and Shiite Muslim will have equal equal say into what happens with their people. You know, I mean, a democratic type type setup. So. I mean, it was really a a time of peace for at least at least a small bit, uh-huh. but it left it left this unease almost. Uh-huh. You know, like like we've said, like it it just leaves this tension and this prison like feeling where people are trapped in this bitterness, brother to brother, or family to family, or just in their neighborhoods alone. So if uh, it was a piece, on. it was very delicate. It was yeah. very fragile. Always. And people kind of holding their breath to look, how long will it last? And, yeah. so on. and yet you have this, this leftover resentments and, mm-hmm. and, and that people don't want to necessarily Fears deal and with. hatreds from, yeah, they don't Yeah, know. because, I mean, it's so In other words, so it wasn't just the buildings torn up. The exactly. People's lives had been exactly. torn up Exactly. Their well. hearts and their love towards one another and their unity had been basically culturally divided and defined that way uh, because people didn't get what they want or this person hurt uh-huh. this person. And, I mean, assumptions across the board so that it was very that person fragile. is bad. And then uh, other battles, the Syrian. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, right after that, a similar thing as we probably know that has happened in my lifetime, no. personally at least, is the Syrian civil war. And uh, that's the coolest part to where uh, the ministry, the Foundation of Forgiveness and Reconciliation, comes into play, right? So the Syrian civil war happens and the Syrian refugees flood to places like Greece or Europe or wherever they can find, wherever they can make it with what money they have. Uh, and uh, 1.5 million Syrian refugees came to Lebanon. 1.5 million. That is, that is not no small number. No, and that would make a, that would upset any kind of a balance they had, I, I mean, suppose, it, right? It left a whole new feel. And uh, with, this foundation, it was just so much provision set in the Lord for Jesus Christ uh-huh. and for God to be known and for for us to know God and for others to know uh-huh. God, you know, uh, for them just basically walking in the door, coming from this mess and being so lost in this confusion of why am I suffering? Why am I basically a sufferer uh-huh. uh, going into this hopefully open door that they will find the foundation and come into knowing Jesus at so least a little bit. So those are the people bit. you're ministering about, the, the, the hurt and the, the wounded from those conflicts and from the just the own tensions within mm-hmm. their own culture. And then you've got the complication then of the presence of so many uh, refugees, Absolutely. Uh, uh, political, religious refugees in the nation. Yeah. And, and I so mean, that's where you, you're ministering in those camps and with these people in mm-hmm. the communities and so on. Yes, sir. Uh, and and uh, tell me about the, the course. What does it what is the impact of it? Because by popular demand, they're asking you to come back. You might, there's yeah. an effectiveness. <laughs> there's something there that. So, are they sensing a hope? Do they are they responsive? What do you actually teach you? What are you teaching there? And how? I know you can't give us the details of, of the curriculum and all, but what is the 
What is it they're grabbing hold of and they're responding to? Uh, well, I really think that they're responding to a different kind of identity. You know, when you are new in Christ, right? When I am new in Christ, I show a different flavor, mm -hmm. if you will, right? You, they are coming to their relationships with people that they don't agree with, with a certain amount of... Uh, things that they have grown up with, right? This just uh, internal um, identity in assuming that a person, uh, having prejudices against a person, right? And uh -huh. so that shows itself in its own flavor, if you will. So when you come in striking things uh, like bitterness or striking things like a broken heart because you lost a family member or something like that with the love of Jesus, uh -huh. and you see that, if you will, they aren't seeing me, you know, they are seeing something deeper than that. And I think that for me, it was cool because I, I mean, worship is a huge language of mine, sure. right? I mean, music yeah. is a big thing in my life where how I connect with Jesus and how I show him that I love him. Right. And that's something that I get the opportunity to do, to do at the beginning of these curriculums, uh, before the class even starts. I mean, I get to do a little worship session to get, uh, -huh. uh people in the hint of where we're going at. And, uh, I mean, it's just so cool that they respond to that because, I mean, fun facts about Lebanon, right? Yeah. Uh, Lebanon, for the most part of Lebanon, if you are educated, which about 80% of Lebanon is educated, it was once the most wealthy com uh, country of all of the Middle East. They speak three different languages, right? They speak fluently English, French, and Arabic, right? Okay. An Arabic slang that Lebanon has. But when you... Are, when they're hearing that and they speak English most of the time, unless they're Syrian, usually they only speak uh -huh. Arabic or a, a hint of a hint of English. Uh, that breaks through walls, you know. Like hearing that worship, hearing that connection, me and Jesus, sh hit somebody in a different way. You know, it it shows them a different aspect of our grand scheme of God, and it really, I think that it was an inviting thing that was for me at least very uh very unique on the team that i was on and i don't think that it was any accident that our team was there you know that rami and rula met our team or so on and so forth and that was all provision from the lord and it's been really cool to see that it's cool and humbling and a privilege and an honor to be one who is invited back mm -hmm. you know one who is who is giving given another opportunity to not only continue, but to fulfill this calling that is in mm -hmm. my heart to be loving on these Syrian refugees and on these Muslims and on these Christians or Catholics that are there in the country, anybody that we're exposed to, you know, I mean, that is, that is a calling that's on my heart from the Lord, no question, to show reconciliation in those broken relationships, not mm -hmm. only from the experiences that I have, but solely just from the light that we can show as a community through the way that we connect with God. For me, it's worship. For me, it's, it's hanging out with youth or telling them what they need to hear in their situations that they've grown up with, with all these prejudices, that forgiveness and reconciliation is the answer of the world. I mean, that needs to happen for unity in this universal dream that God has to actually be fulfilled, you know, for that promise to be fulfilled, for people to actually be stepping into those shoes that they're afraid to, go across seas or go to the Middle East or so on and so forth, those things need to be bravely stepped into with the grace of God, with that opportunity to go 
and preach those things for people to hear, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. if not I, then who, right? Is, and, is and, my, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if not, then who, if not now, then, then <laughs> exactly. When. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, great, great. So th- folks, if you'd like to be involved and, and help encourage uh, this young lady from our city, from the body of Christ here in our city, uh, I, I would want to encourage you to, to give us a call three, four, zero, 9585, uh, like Harold did. And, and uh, make a pledge, uh, I don't know, $25, $100 if you can. My wife, Suzanne, and I, are, we're going to pledge $300 from our family and get behind uh, uh, Esther. And, and, and exciting to hear. I'm, I'm just, I'm just can hardly wait to begin getting information back and see what she's doing and the lives that she's impacting, what God is going to do in her, with her, and through her. Uh, as we partner with her. So you can do that as well. It's not a great deal. Uh, she's going over to help. Uh, d- she's a proven product. It's not like we're asking a brand new thing, untested, untried. <laughs> she's been there working faithfully and hard and in the name of the Lord there for a year now. She's been asked to go back. Uh, the effectiveness of her teaching and her ministry was so good. Uh, and I, I'm thrilled about that. I just, I'm just i excited that uh, a young lady or a young believer from our city uh, we are able to, uh, you know, and, and not talking about haughtiness or arrogant pride, but I'm just a bit proud to, that one from our city would be honored to go in the name of the Lord and we can stand behind her. So if you'd like to give us a call, 340-9585, you can make a pledge. Let us know that you're going to stand behind us and uh, send your, your check or your money order to Texas Arms of Love. Texas Arms of Love, P.O. Box 18888. P.O. Box 18888. That's four eights behind the one, and then it's 78218. That's the zip code here in San Antonio, Texas. So if you can do that, uh, just make your check payable to Texas Arms of Love. And if you want to in the four section on your check, you can put Lebanon uh, or Reconciliation or just the name Esther. We'll know what it means, and 100% of your gift will be given to her to for this project over in that troubled part of the world but uh, there's some promise there's there's some effectiveness going on and uh, we can be a part of that blessed are the peacemakers uh, our savior said blessed are the peacemakers and we see that whole idea uh, all all through even as we're talking about the book of daniel tonight here he is in a foreign culture an enemy culture in some ways to himself but but god uses him effectively uh, not only to bring peace and to bring uh, men and women from that culture even, and from his own culture, the Jews that were there in exile, he influences them for, for many decades there and has an impact not only in their lives then, but Daniel has a, an, a ministry that extends through decades and even hundreds of years into the future, uh, his ministry. He, he predicts the, the, uh, the fall of, of the Persian Empire. He predicts uh, Alexander the Great. He predicts Alexander the Great's fall and the rise of the Roman Empire, and any, even up to the time of the coming of Messiah in uh, uh, chapter 12 of, of uh, Daniel. It's, it's astounding what he does. And that brings me to a topic. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so <laughs> if you can give us a call and get, make a pledge that would encourage others, uh, we'd love to hear from you, 340-9585, or just make sure you take down that address and send your gift as quickly as you can. Uh, she leaves in a week, and we want to get <laughs> behind her stuff. and undergird some of these expenses, all right? Amen. P.O. Box 18888. That brings us to a topic. I, when you look at the, Daniel and his book, 
there's so much so much about it that's fascinating. Mm. The remarkable individual that Daniel was, for one, mm-hmm. just an amazing person. Uh, how young they were, like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> a young lady, uh, whenever God first took them out and, and took them to uh, their mission field. It wasn't they were going voluntarily. They, you know, it was kind of a forcible thing. Uh, and, and, and then their faithfulness. But one thing I noticed that there's a lot of dreams. Uh, mm-hmm. And Daniel, this was, he, he was an individual. He he studied the prophets. He knew about Jeremiah. He knew about the the, the writings and the, the Torah uh, and, and the Hebrew scriptures. The, and he studied them and knew them and understood them. And it gave him great great insight about what God was doing in his world and what God was doing in that time. And even to the point that he could predict and see God's hand moving, how it would move. It's a remarkable, amazing, miraculous thing. I, I'm sure we'll never quite understand uh, how that happens. But uh, da- Daniel was very unique in that. And a lot a lot of things happened on the basis of dreams uh, in that era. And, and Daniel helped interpret some of those yeah. dreams and all. And you were telling me earlier, you're seeing, they're seeing a lot of that in the Islamic world and in the, even like in the world that you've seen in Lebanon. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about area. it. Absolutely. So uh, a lot of the time when the Lord is trying to speak to somebody who isn't hearing it in any other way, I mean, he makes the promise that everyone will know, right? I mean, people will know whether they hear the verbatim gospel or not, right, from some instinctive uh, dream or from from just the knowing of good or bad, so on and so forth. And, and I mean, it's just really cool to see that the way that they talk about it and these stories of Muslims who we were, I mean, they were in the foundation uh, and we were in this curriculum and teaching and they would talk about these dreams that they had that are just so vivid and accurate to their life stories where Jesus will show up to them in the dream and I mean, he in some cases he'll be the light or he'll be the good side uh-huh. or I mean, in most cases, he's the light, uh-huh. quite literally. And does he call to them? Or yeah, I mean, that, it's that sort of it's thing? a gentleness. You uh-huh. know, it's this gentle knowing that they're more aware of what the bad side is. You know, they're more aware that they don't want to be on the bad side. And then there's this gentle, very quiet, very peaceful side of light and of goodness that they can just tell automatically with a sense and a dream that, uh, that that is where not only they want to be, but that is where so they are meant to be, or that, that I mean, that's where he's calling. We hear them about to. it. We read about it. We hear stories that. Oh, about, it's very historical. Heard, um, it's really cool. Paul Eshelman, who is the head of the uh, Campus Crusade, the, the yeah. Jesus film, uh, he has been a part of that for many decades now. This <laughs> movie about so. the life of Jesus that uh, I'm guessing it probably shows up there in mm-hmm. Lebanon. They have the Jesus oh, speaking Lebanese or French or whatever, but. Uh, he often tells stories. It is not uncommon in that part of the world Whatsoever. that people come. They have dreams, and they hear, and they and they expect uh, on the basis of a dream they'll they'll say someone's going to come and three day pe- three men are going to come in a jeep and and they'll wait on a rock, you know, mm-hmm. and and they'll call, pull up in this jeep with the Jesus film. They'll see this guy sitting on the rock and say, "What are you doing?" He says, "Well, I was waiting on you. You know, God told me in a dream that you some people were going to come in a." In a in a jeep and tell us about and bring us tell us about the savior so the, oh things like that and and you hear about that now in that in that part of the world as well absolutely uh, I, I wonder if I mean I know it's a, a God thing mm-hmm. uh, 
but, but dreams that was a part of uh, in that part of the world. I guess it's not a particularly uncommon, mm-hmm. whether it's Israel or whether it's uh, on into Babylon and so on. This was a part of the. I, I wonder if that's. So you've seen some of that. You yeah, know? and I mean, that really is correlating with where Daniel is talking about in here. Like, it's always, if the king is having a dream, then Daniel is the one who's there by mm-hmm. God's grace to interpret uh-huh. it, you uh-huh. know? And that is a huge part of where the story is even showing its theme, kind of, you know? Um, and that's it's just been cool to experience the reality that that is still a work that Jesus is about, you know, I mean, ob- obviously miracles are something that he sends to people who need that, you know, mm-hmm. and simultaneously with dreams. I mean, he is, it's so obvious because the people that who have those dreams, that is something of a pivotal point in their life. I mean, for me, if I have a dream, I do my best to try and remember it the day after. And usually Mm -hmm. I can't (laughs) because it was Mm -hmm. some really weird one. Mm -hmm. But for them, I mean, it's like they vividly vividly can't get it out of their head. I mean, that really is what brings them to a certain place, a certain ministry, a certain Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Certain from receptivity that because of it, because they sense that God is calling them in yeah. some way. Well, I, I'm I'm so very interested in that. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you too is now we've talked about how you're dealing with you know uh, Syrian refugees and Muslims and other groups uh, from both the Shia and the, the Sunni backgrounds and so mm-hmm. on. But how about the Lebanon? Uh, the Lebanon Christians. There's a sizable Christian community. In, yeah, in that. I would say. Are a they responsive as well? To are they? Uh, what's happening among them? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are they absolutely? Are they? Uh, are they engaged? Are mm-hmm. they <laughs> responsive as well Very to the, so. the call to to forgiveness and reconciliation mm-hmm. and respect and all? Uh, tell me what you think about that. You in the it's a lot of the time uh, more volunteering you know with with the knowledge that we have of the forgiveness of jesus christ that's kind of something that naturally happens you know so it's been a blessing to be able to work with a lot of catholics that are over there uh, and to see them not only come to an individual knowing and loving and intimate relationship with christ beyond what they practice already but for them to be practicing as well with rami and r and and the ministry and what we're doing yeah esther i'm so glad you were here we're going to continue just a bit after the break and i think our co-host is going to be calling you A, a time of visiting with our young friend Esther Hoodless and uh, son of Paul and Myrna Hoodless here in San Antonio, the owners of Rose Cleaners, uh, one of our great supporters and sponsors over the years here at the Bible Live broadcast. And uh, it's just thrilling to hear uh, Paul was talking to me this week about 
I went over to get some dry cleaning taken over, and he was telling me about your story. And I thought, oh, <laughs> man, we need to have Esther on the program. I'd love to hear about this, that part of the world. We're reading the book of Daniel, Ezekiel, and we're kind of over in that part of the world. I'd love to hear uh, kind of the things that they're seeing. And he told me a little bit about some of the things you've been seeing, yeah. uh, Esther. And, and they're and, listening. Uh, <laughs> it was really remarkable. Thank you so much for coming over tonight. Uh, I, 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 I know Harold, he's going to get back in touch with us, or he'll just send his gift to P.O. Box 18888. Folks, don't forget, you can do that as well. Maybe you weren't able to get on the phone line or call us tonight, but you'd like to be supportive, and you'd like to help out this young lady and this vision that's calling God on her life to go back to Lebanon and uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus and, and minister there, uh, peace and goodwill and uh, Reconciliation, forgiveness coming right out of the gospel message. It's it's exciting to see what God is doing in, in her life. And uh, I hope that you'll join with us in, uh, in this project, something we can be proud of doing and very specific, very clear. And you'll get, we'll get some feedback and know what God does with our investment in the name of the Lord. So if you'd like to join with us, the Lord's going to you know, go to it, go for it in your heart, in your life. Just give us a call. Or if you'd like, just write your check payable to Texas Arms of Love, Texas Arms of Love. P.O. Box 18888. That's one with four eights behind it. And then uh, 78218. <laughs> 78218. So All right. I'm not there's so many ways you can say it. One eighty eight eighty eight or eighteen eight eighty eight or you know just choose your but, song. What, yeah, there you and go. Sing it. But give us a call or, or or just send that check in and we'll get that receipt back to you. It's tax deductible and uh, for your tax purposes. Uh, and uh then we'll see uh we'll see Esther on her way and see this is an uh, another Esther going to that part of the world. Uh, just uh, thought of that fact that we've we've also been reading about Esther. Now Daniel was a contemporary of the time that Mordecai and Esther were mm-hmm. over there in Babylon, and uh, w- which is very interesting for us. So help us send another Esther uh, <laughs> to that part of the world, and uh, we- we'd love to partner with you in that. Uh, just as we finish up, our, our our good friend Jacob is going to be calling in a moment. We're going to focus on the book of Daniel. I wanted to ask you one quick question, though, uh, b- before we take out and leave the interview, Esther, is that uh, I asked you about you know the Christian community and how they're responding to the message. I wanted to know if you maybe could is is there one story, one person, one individual, maybe or a small group or that you might know about that you could tell us specifically Many. about their lives Absolutely. and what you saw that something that God did in them. Yeah, no question. So when we were teaching in curriculum, right, we had just finished our first round with our first teaching that I had ever been exposed to. And we were working with this ministry uh, to grow them in what they would be now working with, which was Youth for Christ. And they had one over in Lebanon and it was just starting. I mean, it was brand brand new. And uh, we I met one of my favorite people that I even have met and her name was Deborah. And she was just this tiny little thing. I mean, I'm not over-exaggerating when I probably say, like, four foot five or something like that. I mean, like, act, that was probably, like, in a, probably five feet tall, you know? Yeah. <laughs> something uh, in that range, right? She was just as cute as can be, and she, she Well, that in. is tiny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no any, question. Uh, my wife is a five, four eleven. <laughs> she says five foot, but uh, so tiny. Yeah, I get it. I get it. She was so, she was just the cutest, right? And she, she was, um... Gosh, she was a mom, and she had uh, one son, and she was used to be a Muslim, and she was a born and grown Christian. Mm-hmm. And she was working with Youth for Christ, and really just devoting her Christ to this, devoting her life to this work, right? And so she came in, and they had. Uh, 
how would you say they had a new employee basically and uh he, they, he came in and they were, everyone was meeting and he he used to be muslim and he was a born-again christian and he was palestinian and uh-huh. she was she was not palestinian let's uh-huh. just say that right uh and it was so interesting day one you could just kind of tell already i mean we we're a foundation of forgiveness and reconciliation and teaching just that and they sat on opposite sides of we can say the room but of the chairs that were there and it was just like you could kind of feel the tension right off the bat and i mean it was so cool because first things first we worship and it was uh, it kind of broke through that thing right off the bat right mm. and so we continue day after day and it was about a w- this session was about a week um and it was so cool to see the way that they were listening to it and in realization that they were having this weird tension with a person across the room and at first being hesitant to it, but hearing the words that we were saying and how we were saying it and just leaning in, you know, leaning into the forgiveness and reconciliation that Christ had, you know, mm-hmm. and it promises for us to have and to live in that and calls us to live in that in order to unify each other and to love each other the way that we were meant to. <laughs> and by the end, they were talking to each other and sitting next to each other and in, in relationship with each other. And by the end, not only of that week, but by the time that we were leaving, um, we had heard a testimony from that moment uh, when they are basically best friends. I mean, they mm. are like together in unity, one of the people who are basically leading the Youth for Christ ministry there. And it has just been so cool to have seen the start of that, you know, to have seen those moments of mm. that thing, that exact thing that we were talking about be reality mm-hmm. right off the bat. I mean, that was from Christ and Jesus, no question. And so it's real, you know, like those words and the Lord speaking through that, because that is the message that he wants to get across. Um, is so real and it, it is a beautiful thing to see. And I mean, I absolutely call everyone mm. to be a part of that and to pray for that and to be mm-hmm. praying for the Lord yeah. to be speaking through that entire ministry and any other ministry who is doing the same reconciliation. Yeah. Esther, that is so needed, uh, particularly and especially, I would say, that's got to be one of the h- hard spots of the world in the sense of these built-up resentments, sometimes over centuries, mm-hmm. you know, of resentments and whose land is it this and that. <laughs> the, it, it's, yeah. it, it's, to some of us, it seems... Almost crazy, but it's very human. It, mm-hmm. You know, the, the human nature, that pride, that arrogance, the fears that we have. Uh, and and uh, it, it just goes right to the core uh, of that sin nature. And yet at the same time, it goes to the, the, the power of God to to change lives. And, and I, I remember uh, Paul talking in the New Testament about how the, that, uh, the relationship with Christ breaks down the walls of separation. Mm-hmm. There's no longer male and female and slave and free and, and Gentile and Jew. And the, but those walls, as we, we unite in our devotion and love for God in mm-hmm. that confident, secure relationship with him, when we focus on him and, and worship him, as you were saying, it, it, we begin to find that commonality and, and the walls come down. Their mm-hmm. trust builds up, and, and confidence, and and goodwill shows up for each other. I, I think it's just so marvelous what you're doing, and and I, I wish you, you Godspeed. So and and we're just God praying, doing, and yeah. want to hear back from you. And uh, I know that uh, Harold has called back. He's going. He's sending his gift on the end. And I hope Thank many you, of our Harold. listeners. I hope many of our listeners are doing the same. Maybe they didn't call, but they'll take note of the. P.O. box, uh, 
18888. I'll start checking the P.O. box tomorrow and the Tuesday and Wednesday, and we'll just see. Maybe we, uh, hopefully, we'll have enough of us sending in a gift, uh, you know, 25, 50, 100 here and there that making we can get up to that spot and help significantly cover Thank that you all th- those so expenses. Much. Esther, we're looking forward to hearing from you. All right, so no uh, question. Someday, I would we, love you, to. just give us a call here on yeah. the program from it's Lebanon. It's about relationship. It is <laughs> all about a, relationship. Give us a call on your on your smartphone, mm-hmm. and we'll just talk to you from Lebanon. You know, we'll talk about what God's doing and what He's teaching. Maybe we can meet some of your friends over there. We'd love to see that. We'll we'll see what we can do. All right. Beautiful. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. Thank you. Really Praise God. It. All right. Well, we're going to let uh, Esther go. Maybe get a little a little rest tonight. Uh, back home, uh, Jacob is going to call. I felt like he was going to call us this evening. Uh, we that was our plan at least. He, I'm not sure if he's in a position to call. Perhaps not. But we're going to continue. He's going to talk. He had an idea or two he wanted to share from the book of Daniel. And uh, I, I too have some ideas. We were just looking at it earlier, and I, I was thinking about. Uh, this remarkable individual that goes into this situation uh, where he's he's taken by force out of his country, out of his culture, out of his language. They're trying to break down entirely. They give him a different name. Uh, and, and the Hebrew name was taken. They give him another to try to break down that devotion and that identity as uh, as a part of the people of God, the people of Israel. And yet he doesn't. It doesn't. He doesn't allow it to happen. He stays. He keeps his faith. He keeps uh, faithful to the Lord. And God respects it and gives him uh, gives him great favor in the society there uh, through interpreting dreams, uh, through giving people insight as to what God is doing and what's going on in our world. And I don't know if you've ever wondered about that. How does God do that? How do these people give these prophecies that we read about in the Hebrew Scriptures, whether it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, some of the other prophets. I've, I've so many times wondered, how does that happen? How did these guys know what was going to happen in the future? Now, we're not only talking about Messianic prophecies, uh, about the promise of the Redeemer, the Savior who would come, over 300 prophecies in the Scriptures about uh, the Messiah, what he would be like, and the, some of the characteristics of his life, uh, where he'd be born, what time and generally. Uh, Daniel, chapter 12, Daniel lays out a, a map there uh, of, of how long these different segments till Messiah would show up. And people have done the calculations and traced it and tracked it right down, basically to the day of the triumphal entry when Messiah enters into Jerusalem there on the week before his um, crucifixion. So uh, it, it's an amazing thing what we see da- Daniel doing. Uh, but how did that happen? And uh, one of the things that Jacob has helped me to see many times is that, uh, for one, uh, Daniel was very much in tune with the Scriptures. And we, uh, so often we've encouraged you to read the Scriptures, know God's Word, both the Tanakh and the New Testament. Know them. Because what is the Bible, really? I mean, it's not a magic book. We don't put our finger down and it just lights up, you know, uh, it tells us the answer to whatever question, you know, like the little cue ball, you know, the eight ball that people shake and look into it. Uh, it, It's not like magic or superstition in that sense. What is it? These 60, it's not really one book. It's 66 different books written over a period of about 1,500 years, different times, times of plenty, times of famine, times of war, times of peace, uh, written from deserts, written from (laughs) the oceans, written from different cities, different languages over a period of 1500 years 
And sometimes it's written from the palace throne by kings. Other times it's written by prisoners down in the palace dungeon uh, from prisons and jails. It's written by farmers. It's written by preachers. Uh, it's written by fishermen. Uh, it, it's an astounding thing, this book. And yet all the way through it, from Genesis to the maps, as they say, we, we see this consistent presentation about reality, about who God is, what is his purpose for humanity. Uh, it speaks to hundreds of controversial, complex topics. And yet there's this, this oneness, this harmony that we couldn't get in a room filled of, you know, just take any room you want uh, of, I don't know, the same Sunday school class or whatever in our city. And you bring up some of these topics and you get all these different viewpoints and these different insights and perspectives. And yet here we see in this book this constant, consistent message. Uh, all of that pointing to the fact that the Bible is not only accurate and reliable in terms of history, in terms of what we read today in our Bibles, uh, but also that that it's there's a supernatural dimension. God himself has spoken. He has acted in history. And he is the one who has inspired these writers and these these writings. And he has guarded and protected their transmission to us so that we have this presentation of God at work in the lives of real people. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the book doesn't cover up the warts of its heroes. We know about Saul's difficulties. We know about uh, David's difficulties and sins. Now, one of the things about Daniel as he's one of the few in the scriptures that we were not told actually of any weakness or sin in his life. It doesn't mean that he was sinless, but uh, he, his life was uh, mostly and entirely characterized by faith and obedience to the Lord. The same way with uh, with Joseph is another one that we don't read particularly, although maybe a little bit of pride and arrogance there. But there's only a few that we don't see uh, recorded sin besides Jesus himself, the Messiah. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, the Bible doesn't cover up the sins and the failures of our of the heroes. Not Moses, uh, not Saul, not David. Uh, in the New Testament as well, we see uh, Paul himself. Uh, he calls himself the chief of sinners. Uh, so the Bible is a real book. It talks about real people suffering real injustices, living in difficult times. And here we have Daniel taken from his country. Uh, he's made to become childless. He, he never hear of a wife or family. He's, um, and yet he faithfully serves and, and worships God, even in the face of, of persecution. They try to trap him and get him uh, thrown into the lion's den. We all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And yet he's faithful and continues to follow God. And God uses him in this astounding way, not only in the time in which he's living uh, in that era uh, with the people of Israel there captive in the land. Uh, he gives favor to them based on Daniel's goodwill and, and favor that he has with the king, with the emperor. Uh, it is an amazing thing. But then he looks into the future and he's able to, I, I think, and that's just me, and it could be just miraculous. God just somehow zaps them and, you know, they have a vision or dream, maybe, as we were talking uh, earlier with Esther. Uh, maybe that. Sometimes I think, though, that what God is, does is that these men and women were steeped in the scriptures. They knew God's word. They read the prophets. They read the Torah. They knew, and, and and I've seen what happens when we get involved in God's word, really deeply involved. You begin to think biblically, and what I mean by that is that you begin to, when you walk out your door in the morning, 
you begin to interpret the events of the day, the people you meet, the things that happen. You begin to interpret them through the grid of biblical reality, what the, the, the reality that the Bible points at is that God is here, God is at work, that he's calling out a people for himself. And when we get in tune, we get so in tune with the presence of God and what he's done. And, and these prophets, uh, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of them, Amos, they were all focused on God's word. They were all genuinely involved and knew the history of God's involvement with their people and so on. And And somehow I think that as they did that, they began to, in a, in a sense, what I just talked about, think, thinking biblically, applying the, the God that they knew and understood. They knew about God and his ways. They know his priorities. They know the things on his heart. They know the world around him they, and, and the realities of the sin nature and so on. And they somehow I feel like they could, they could see. All of a sudden they can see, oh, this is how this is going to unfold. This is going to be, they know that, uh, now I, I don't know, I'm not, I don't have a, I know it was God breathed, the men and women of faith uh, were told in the scriptures and uh, what is it, Second Timothy 3.16, all, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and godly men, and Peter talks about godly men were guided and led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I think it is it had to do as well, but th- these were men and women of God, these were men and women who studied the scriptures and and, and when you do that, you get in tune with his character, with his priorities, what God is doing. And I think it does give insights, and perhaps that helps explain to some extent how these some of these men and women could just look, they could see, this is how this is going to work out. This is how this battle is going to happen. This is how this is this particular episode. I Now, I don't know for sure, and I don't have any problem with it being a pure old miracle. Just God told them to say this and, and to do it. But I, uh, somehow I, I think that it was not... Uh, they were not autotonic, you know. They were not robots, and just saying to somehow there was an insight given uh, as they got in touch with God through His Word, uh, and they began to get, they begin to see how who God is and how He works His priorities, and it gave them insights into the times in which they live. Well, Esther uh, uh, it was a reminder of that for us in the, in the sense that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these young, they went. Uh, and the young Esther, the young girl who was there in, in the Persian Empire that God used uh, to save the people of Israel. And as we read in the book of Esther, they were young people, uh, for one. And that's an exciting thought as well. Uh, I work um, week after week. As you know, we, we get to minister to literally thousands of young men and women going in, into the United States Air Force. And they go through the uh, basic training here at Lackland. It's the only basic training facility that the Air Force has in the U.S. And uh, we we get so many of them, hundreds, thousands of them through us every year, uh, and, and get a chance to talk to them about the gospel. So many come to faith. So many. Uh, this is the beginning of their their journey. And I was talking to a group of them this morning on, on our eighth-week lesson is about uh, is about going, moving forward. They finished basic training now. They're headed into tech school, uh, bases all over the U.S. And, and uh, we talked to them about as you move forward now, how are you going to stay connected with God? How are you going to stay connected with God's people, with the friends and the brothers and sisters in Christ you've met here at basic training? Uh, stay in touch with your family and friends and others that you're, you're uh, you're in, in uh, relationship with, and how are you going to stay in touch with the Lord, stay connected to Him? Uh, that uh, that is one thing we see here in the life of Daniel. He stays continually connected to God. There was this 
this can, and it wasn't just uh, a connection of on holidays or on, on Sundays at Sunday school or at church or, uh, you know, there's a wonderful passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, you know, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you know, he talks about this uh, in, in some of our the translations, if you remain in me and I remain in you in Spanish, si permaneces en mi, yo permanezco en ti, permaneceré en ti. The idea of perm- permanent staying with God. He's not talking about don't lose your faith in 15, uh, in 15 years or down the road. He's talking about day to day from the time you throw your legs over the side of the bed in the morning all the way to the nighttime and only in, through the night in our dreams and so on. Stay in touch. Stay connected. Don't forget who you are and whose you are in Christ. And we see that in the, that consistency in the life of Daniel. He was a man just, he seemed to be wholly consumed and entirely involved in knowing who he was, that he was God's man, and God was at work. He never forgot it. Now I assume that Daniel was not, you know, so heavenly minded that he was no earthly good. And we're not talking about being so, you know, kind of going into a trance or a monastery somewhere where you kind of removed. We're talking about, yes, we have our duties, we have our jobs, we have our responsibilities, we have our relationships, and we focus on those we, with excellence and diligence and hard work. And our friend, we enjoy life, joy, but we never forget who we are. We practice the presence of God. And that's one of the great things we see in, 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 da- in Daniel. He continually, he, the, the defining factor of his life that he was a man in touch with god and i don't mean i don't think it means that he was this weirdo that walked around just sort of kind of in a trance constantly i, I suspect he had friendships he enjoyed food he, he enjoyed life uh, to the degree he could as a captive in a captive land uh but but he never forgot who he was and i i think that's one of the great lessons that we get from daniel is to for you and me today Practice the presence of God. Don't ever forget who you are and whose you are uh, every day and, and trust him and, and experience his presence. Just learn to walk in that in that in the presence of the Lord. Yes, you're doing a job, you're taking you're taking care of this detail, you're writing a letter, you're I don't know what digging a ditch or laying you know, building a wall or you know, laying a foundation. Uh, whatever we're doing, our different jobs and careers and our responsibilities, home and family and children and so on, we're doing those things with excellence, but always with that constant in our background, in our mind, that we belong to God. God is here. God is involved. And we're always we're in tune with his priorities. And that's the exciting thing that we see in Daniel's life. And it, and it worked out in such a dramatic, powerful way. And I want to encourage you as we uh, now move on from well, the book of Daniel. We'll continue it through this coming week. Uh, next week, uh, Jacob will be back, and we'll talk about Daniel uh, and, and from that Hebrew perspective. And, and I know he's got some things he wants to share with us. But I want to encourage you this week as, as we leave you tonight just to to walk with the Lord with that spirit. If you're a believer and, uh, you know, the, Emmanuel, God is present. God is with us in your life through the Messiah, through Savior, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus. Then, then walk with Him in faith at the level that you know the Lord. Trust in Him. Don't forget Him. Don't. And I'm not saying being weirdo, religious, you know, kind of fanaticism or anything, but just walk in His presence. Trust Him that He's there, that He's at work. And, and let it give you boldness. Let it give you courage and, 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 and faith to move forward and take steps of faith and trusting the Lord. Uh, and in prayer, in giving, in ministering, uh, and, and in your own development, in your own growth. 
Just walk with the Lord in confidence. I think that's one of the great lessons we can get from the book of Daniel and from the entire scriptures. I was uh, telling some folks about it this morning, uh, the basic trainees, the same thing about how, how God will help. As we do that, that's when you step into a supernatural life. The Christian life is not supposed to be some kind of a boring, humdrum, straight-laced, sort of sober and sad religious sort of experience or a spiritual kind of high all the time. It, but it, it is a dynamic, exciting, thrilling walk, hand-in-hand. Hand. We get to walk through life hand-in-hand hand with the creator of the universe. What an incredible privilege we have. I hope that you'll take that uh, advice and seriously this week and walk today just see if this week you can walk practicing the presence of god all week and see what he does in and through with your life god bless you we'll see you next week here on the bible live the bible live is dedicated to helping restore the bible to our culture and is brought to you by crew military ministry mailing address is p.o box 18888 that's box 18888 san antonio texas 78218 Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.